Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started. All right, welcome everyone to today's episode. I am so excited to present to you someone um, really special. Um, his name is Thomas Carson, who is the founder and president of SOS. And to get into exactly what it is and what you do, Tom, I just first of all want to thank you for being here. And how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well, Apollonia. We're awesome. um, Colorado is a beautiful place to live this time of year. Oh my gosh, yes it is. Well, yesterday it was blazing hot. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was so hot, and I was like, I'm actually ready for the winter. So, no, um, yeah. So Tom is actually here in Colorado as well, in the Fort Collins area. Is that right? We're in Boulder. The Boulder. Okay. All Boulder. right. Even more Boulder. beautiful. Yes. You're in beautiful Boulder. So I just really want to start off. Um, this is, this is your area of expertise and I'd love for you to shed more light on this on, but what exactly for our listeners is an EHS software, which is exactly what you do and specialize in and what your business does. But I think as a safety professional, I have done so many demos. I've done so many research over the years when EHS software was barely gaining some popularity. And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people still aren't using software, which is pretty interesting, even large, large medium, large businesses. And so can you just, just share with us what exactly is an EHS software? What does it do? First of all, it, it, it's a great, question. And actually, we get asked that a lot, usually by people not in the safety side. I was recently in a conversation with the finance person in a large manufacturing company uh, who we've been talking with. And he he actually asked me, he, he actually approached me and said, look, I think I know what my safety guy does all day. Why does he need software to do it? Uh Hearing that (laughs) Hearing that though, good makes complete sense coming from a finance team. So, yep. Right, right. And so, and so, it's interesting. I I think in the early days of of safety software, most of what happened was was a collection of administrative tasks. So, completion of incident forms and reporting those to OSHA, perhaps. I think more recently, though, the safety profession and the software supporting the profession has evolved pretty dramatically. And if you look at, if you just look at the requirements of standards for safety systems, such as ISO 45001, mm-hmm. and click down through the, the requirements of those standards, there's a lot of work and a lot of documentation that needs to be collected mm-hmm. to support the activities uh, that safety professionals are, are leading. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those fall into the area of, of collecting worker input on hazards, mm-hmm. um, making suggestions and that sort of thing, and then, and then demonstrating that, that a company has actually done something about those, yes. which goes all the way through 
through investigations, through developing preventative actions, mm -hmm. the tracking that the actions actually get completed. Um, of course, various regulatory compliance reporting uh, and insurance company reporting, but it goes well beyond that into the continual improvement requirements for those kinds of standards. That's a lot of stuff lying around. And yes, you could do it manually, just like in the old days, we kept uh, financial records in a big ledger with folks uh, with green eye shades writing out the each transaction. It takes an awful lot of time if you do it, if you automate it. Takes a lot of time to do it the old school way. And you know what's so interesting is that I'm in the field of safety and I am not seeing all of my coworkers or just other people in the in my network. There's not, there isn't this huge push and rush, it seems like, that everybody is using an EHS software, but it's very common sense when you lay it out like that, that we as safety professionals, I love the story that you started with for a couple of reasons. I'll tell you why. Because when I was a safety professional for, when I was an in-house safety person for a oil and gas construction, um, we had a welding shop and a trucking divisions, so kind of did it all. That was my number one fear, what you just started with. And I think a lot of safety professionals can relate is that we're working so hard every single day on moving the safety program forward. We're, you know, usually the one person excited about the safety program at the company. We're the ones spearheading it. But we're wondering, does anybody know what I'm doing? I think like that's the number one question. That Maybe that's the number one fear for safety professionals, maybe, is just does are people questioning what I'm doing because you can't see it all the time. They only see an accident or an incident or a property damage. We'll see what happens if something goes wrong, but I never had a way to just package up my um, achievements along the way. And I was never able to package that up and show that to my boss and say, this is what I've been working on. And I love how you mentioned that a software, yes, it manages hazards, your training records, your audits, your incidents, and um, it, it tracks all your safety statistics, but even more important and as equally important is the action items corresponded to those events. Because I've been through OSHA inspections after a uh, like post um, post an incident, or if there's an employee um, an employee complaint, maybe you know it was anonymous. Either way, OSHA came through and they said, "Okay, we've had X Y Z happen at your company. You, it's great that you're tracking hazards and near misses, but what have you done to what have you done to prevent this moving forward? And how do you show record keeping of that?" I was like, I don't know. I think Apollonia, you raise you raise kind of two really really important points. I think um, the first one is a system yeah. issue. Uh, you know, everybody can see that you're filling out the OSHA log, but as you know from your own experience, and I can, you know, certainly all the every safety professional I know has a busy busy uh, work week, <clears throat> and it's not it's not just about reporting on the incidents is trying to make sure they don't happen. And one of the things that one of the things that SOSPIS does, you know, that we started doing years ago, and I'll, I can tell you a little bit about how we got into this, but 
we started realizing that the systems the systems are great for collecting a lot of data, but to really have value, you need to you need to create an output that answers the kind of questions you're talking about. Well, what were you doing all day? What have you done to manage our organizational risk? What are the activities? How can I tell if those are happening on a regular basis? Um, I think the other part of the problem, though, the second piece is, as as a rule, safety professional, like many technical um, fields, we're not, we're not very good at selling ourselves and selling our own performance. You're so right about that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and one of the things, I mean, every every safety professional I know knows knows what you need to know about fall protection, about confined space entry, about hot work permitting. But but they're not very good at going up to the CFO in their company and explaining the financial benefit of all the programs they've been doing. And part of it's a and we did it's a it's a failing in the profession in a way that's starting to get fixed. But but safety professionals are expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean a really I think it was um I think it was EHS today just published a salary survey. The median salary income, you know, annual compensation for a safety professional is over ninety thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Yep. Well, for ninety thousand dollars, if I'm the if I'm the president of the company, I don't I don't want to hire the the permission police. I want somebody who's going to be a partner in helping our company move forward. <clears throat> and and that's a that kind of training. I think is just starting to get done. When you see safety professionals who've taken the time to get an MBA, for instance, yes. those guys ought to be worth gold, and 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 women ought to be just ought to be worth gold because they're an integral part of overall organizational risk management. Yes. Okay. You just brought up something <clears throat> so unique. So we um, inter- I interviewed a gentleman that was on the podcast recently who actually was the former former secretary of state um, and worked for OSHA. And uh, so he had a, and and he was the OSHA attorney. (laughs) And so he had this really great perspective on exactly what you just talked about. He said, I said, what's the number one problem that safety professionals have challenges wise? And he said, "Um, they don't know how to sell themselves. They don't know how to talk to C sweet leadership team, uh, team members said safety professionals don't know how to talk to leadership as far as this is our, this is the value of your safety program. This is your ROI of your safety program. And I love as simple as you put it, how do you talk to the CFO of your company? And so I get, um, and I love how you even mentioned before that I wrote it down here so I could circle back on it is how do we document prevention? What, what does it look like for a safety professional to show, Hey, this is what I'm doing to prevent the next incident moving forward. Here's how I'm mitigating risk. And here's what it looks like, because you could tell somebody that, Oh, I'm preventing the next incident. I'm working on incident prevention. And like, nobody knows what I'm talking about. The boss of the company, the owner's leadership team would be like, okay, I don't even know. So what is some advice or maybe some uh, ways that a software could be utilized to document pre- the prevention piece of a safety program. 
Great question. And it's it's one that I think all the software vendors probably think about. Um, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that that I got into this industry in the first place, when I was uh, uh, quite a bit younger, I was a finance and operations executive in a, in a variety of companies, some quite large. And in that role, I was actually a buyer of enterprise systems. Okay. And I will tell you that anybody who's implemented an Oracle or SAP-based system carries the scars for the rest of their lives. I mean, these are, they're complicated, they're expensive, they're time-consuming. Yeah. And at the end, you, it, 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 it's just a very painful and absorbing uh, experience. And so I vowed when I became, when I became very interested in health and safety almost 10 years ago, you know, I vowed that one of the things that, that the industry needed, it seemed to me, was a system that delivered the enterprise power mm-hmm. that answers these kinds of questions, mm-hmm. but that's that's easy to implement and that includes everybody in the process. Mm-hmm. And that including everybody in the process is key for a safety professional to be able to demonstrate how they're mitigating risk and how they're helping avoid that accident that you talked about. Mm-hmm. And because a key part of every one of the safety uh, standards has to do with ensuring that you have employee input to identify hazards right. and that you prove that you do something about them. Mm-hmm. Or if you can't get the employee input, then you don't really, <laughs> it becomes difficult to do the rest. Because yes. it all yeah. starts with hazard identification in the field. And a safety professional in a good-sized company is never going to be able to go around and identify all the hazards. Right. They need help. Yes. So it needs to be an inclusive process mm-hmm. that empowers everybody to participate. And once you've done that, a really a well-thought-out system should be able to then track the sequence of events that happens after, you know, from initial hazard identification all the way through whatever you did about it. And even evaluate. Here was the risk score. Consider the idea of a, of, a, of a risk score before you do anything, and then a risk score after you've mitigated it. I yep. And, and for- so this is a way to start quantifying what have you done to help me today when you go back and talk to the CFO. I love that. And so since I've, I've demoed and I've been, I've, I've been able to play around with the software, um, of Sospis that, that specific EHS software, um, to put it into practical terms for the listeners, for all my EHS professionals out there. So what that, what that all means to me is that if you're able to have a user-friendly platform that your field employees will use and they know how to use it, they, they're not afraid of the software. So they're out there and that's how you expand your safety team. It's not just the lone wolf out there, you trying to spearhead the safety program all by yourself. If you had a software that everyone can use in the company and the guys and girls in the field are taking photos of hazards simply they're able to assess the level of risk, and maybe that's something that either you as a safety professional or they can do. You know, it's customizable. But we're getting hazards. It starts with it starts with getting hazards identified out in the workplace, 
And then the action items associated with those hazards is on your plate, right? That's what you do as a safety professional. So then the hazards are tracked. Step two, here are the action items. And you can assign those action items to either yourself as a safety professional or for the manage or for certain managers, supervisors, field employees, whatever. You can assign action items, but also to yourself. And so you're able to show to a CFO or someone from the leadership team and say, hey, this is how many hazards have been identified. These are almost, almost could have been incidents and look at everything that I and the team have been doing to, to work on mitigating, um, on eliminating these hazards. So it's all documented and it's all there. And I love that. I love that. What does that look like on a dashboard? It's just my dream to have a dashboard of my safety program. I, I have thought this concept for almost seven years is if I could have a dashboard, show my boss what I'm doing, I would be golden and he would stop questioning what I'm doing. So what does a dashboard typically look like on an EHS software? What kind of metrics can it show me that I could show my leadership team? Well, there's lots of, there's, there's just so many different variations of those floating around out there. Um, all the way from simple Excel bar charts, you know, pie graphs and uh, bar charts and line graphs and things to, uh, to some pretty high end, very sophisticated, interactive, um, visually, uh, visually interactive, what they call um, data visualization oh, wow. uh, okay. dashboards that are interactive. Um, we, I'm a huge believer in data. I mean, at some point, at some point, if you have real data, it eliminates so many emotional discussions yes. about trying to claim that, well, we think this is going on. Mm. If, if there's actually serious data collected and you can back it up, then everybody can get over, you know, hurt feelings about, about accusations and just say, yep, that seems to be what's going on. What do we do about it? Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to speed uh, resolution and uh, resource allocation and a lot of other things have become critical for that going back to your C-suite. Uh, discussion. The the data, we actually created a dashboard for this express purpose to help a safety professional explain what it was they spent their, their weeks doing. <laughs> their year. And, yeah, because the weeks that turn into quarters, which turn into years. And it's like, what did you accomplish last year? Let's say it's a, for a safety professional, it's our dream to have no incidents last year. All right. I, I still didn't feel like I got the achievement award, you know, from my leadership team. It was like, because I felt like my boss thought, well, that could have been Apollonia, but it also could have just been that we had a lucky year, which could have been the case. And so, so then go, I didn't mean to cut you off. So then this dashboard shows what, let's say I had a successful year last year. What are some metrics that are generally shown? You know, I know there's so many ways you can customize this in a million different ways, but what is it normally Look like. Well, here's an example of here's an example of one that we use that are that are many of our customers find um, pretty exciting. It, it's it's basically what we call report action tracking. Hmm. And so at the front end, we capture reports on incidents, reports okay. on close calls, reports on observations, okay. which can be anything from 
positive behavior to at-risk behavior to substandard conditions, things that need to be fixed before they turn into or create a problem. And such things as um, inspection fails that that created an action to fix a uh, failed inspection item. And then we, we take all of those reports all of those reports, and we show how many of those reports drove to an investigation and how many drove to preventative and corrective actions. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we provide statistics that around, well, how long did it take you to fix these? How long did they remain open? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that sort of thing. So you can actually see how much follow-up there was. Okay. You can see if if, uh, if there were people who maybe didn't complete the tasks that were assigned to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we don't let it, that happen much because our system, as, as mostly good systems, I would think, would nag. We nag you until you get it done. Yeah. You can't make it go away until you resolve it. I like and that. so at the end, what you see is, okay, we had, we had this many reports submitted we had this many that we we took actions on we had this many that are completed and here's the here's the uh what we think the consummate of you know, the consolidated improvement and exposure was from doing that i love that and i love how you mentioned that data speaks the truth right i mean you didn't say we it know. as blunt as that but just, that is the truth and how data accurate data live data can help eliminate emotional conversations. Mm -hmm. And so what that means to me as a safety professional is let's say that there there are 10 different locations that a company has and the leadership team is able to see we have one location, never was able to see this before because it wasn't tracked. But uh, we have one location that has 10, let's just say 10 times more um, incident or property damages or th- something's going on with one location. All right. So safety professionals get this. It's not, and now it's not you saying, Hey, leadership team, I think Johnny, the supervisor needs to be fired or needs to be uh, written up. And then the supervisor freaking hates you because they think that the safety professional ratted them out, been in the situation before. No, 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 no. The data just shows this crew, this location has the most incidents out of everybody else performing. Let's look into that. And so then that takes you out of, that takes you as a safety professional out of that emotional conversation. And the data just shows, hey, maybe it's a certain supervisor or just a certain location that um, is driving these poor results and leadership team will be able to make a decision about that. I would take that, I would actually Take that one step further, Apony. I mean, not only, and and you don't want to pick on Johnny, but not only yeah. do you now you know where to focus yeah. your attention, but you also know how to focus resources. Yes. Because it would have been easy if all you saw was was a problem that you weren't sure where it was to launch yeah. some kind of a remedial program across the whole company. Oh, yes, yes. But maybe you don't need to do that. Oh, I Maybe you can that. go in and focus on just the issue in that one location. And that frees resources for other purposes across the rest of the company. I think so that's- There's a lot of value in being able to identify where this stuff happens and why. Where it happens and why so that you can make an educated decision 
decision to allocate time, focus, resources, which is exactly what a CFO is going to want to hear. There, and, and, and you're exactly your 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 point. Um, you're spot on that if I brought an Excel spreadsheet to leadership saying that hey, we had we had 25 more near misses than we did than the month prior, or there's been um, multiple property damages. It's it's really high this last month. It would be easy to say, okay, let's shut the company down. We're going into training this weekend. We're going to train everybody on the same, um, you know, the same topic. It looks like the company has an issue, but it's like, no, 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 no. If we could pinpoint where exactly um, we're having issues and we'd be able to make a, a better decision. So I think that that is great. I I could talk to you all day about this, <laughs> but I won't. I won't bore the listeners. But I know um, anyone that just is a nerd about safety can talk about this all day too. So I love that. Um, last question I have for you is: Where do you think safety is going? Um, you're, you're rooted into this community. You're rooted into, um, the safety industry. Where, where do you see that safety is heading right now? Any trends that are top of mind for you? I think, uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think a huge one, I think a huge one is the expansion of, as, as you know, safety in the old days was, was fairly siloed. I mean, the, they had a lot of, responsibility for compliance. They had a lot of responsibility for trying to keep people from getting you know, on the job, not getting heard. But I think, and, I, and again, I'm gonna go back to ISO 45001 as, as a standard that I have, that I think is enormously important, but they're not new concepts. I mean, the VPP program, um, the 18,001 before, uh, before ISO, <clears throat> they all, they all have as one of the components the notion that the safety processes and procedures really need to be part of the company's processes and procedures. Couldn't agree right. more. Yes. Yep. And 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 so what what all of a sudden you I think you'll see, and and good safety professionals are already are already embracing this as, as nearly as I can tell. But safety becomes an integral part of organizational risk management at a broad level. And, and that makes sense. You've been a safety professional. You know that many of the things that you audited and inspected back in those days actually bleed over into operating uh, issues. Yes, and yes, yes. Issues. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's a logical extension. And with the with good systems to support that, I can see that. I can see the safety professional becoming an integral part of operations and just overall company risk management. I'll give you an example. A, a safety, a good safety program, software program, we already give everybody the opportunity to report incidents involving, you know, maybe a, a worker or property damage, but you could just as easily give the same application, could just as easily give a worker the ability to report um, harassment. Mm-hmm. They could report concerns about, about um, worker mental health. I mean, there's there's yes. a lot of stuff that can come out of that once you kind of teach people that, look, this is all about making our, our workplace better. 
and more productive. Oh, and safer. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. I think that that's been a huge philosophy of mine and it's becoming more and more clear. Um, as like you said, looking into the future, I think it's very clear. I'm a strong believer that there isn't a safety culture, that there's just a company culture and that what's going on in the safety world inside an organization is just a result in my mind, a byproduct of what's going on with the entire organization. And the more that we separate safety and operations and continue to live in that space, the more frustrated that you as a safety professional, the more frustrated the whole organization is going to become because you're right, they are they are married together, mm-hmm. safety and operations. They are one of the same. And you can't have one excelling without the other. And if you do, it's it's, it's short-lived. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not sustaining. And so I, I'm a strong believer in that. And I love the idea of we're not in the future. We're not just, we're not just using a software or any, any system um, tracking program. We're not just, we're not just tracking incidents, property damages, observations. We're tracking mental health concerns. We're tracking any concern in the workplace, it's not just safety focused. I, I am, um, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's all one of the same. I think that mental health, I see organizations focusing on that in the future or hopefully so um, because mental health is just as much as a, a concern in the workplace as it, as it is related to safety as it is anything else. So if somebody's mind's off, they're not in the game that day. Well, I think that's exactly right. I would go so far as to actually say, I actually recently wrote wrote a piece on this, but people talk a lot about safety culture and I, I couldn't agree more with your comment. It's not, I mean, people don't talk, you know, they don't talk about the uh, the engineering culture. I mean, what, <laughs> that's a great point. I've never heard right? it like that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, so I get it. There needs to be a, a concern for safety, and that needs to be ingrained in the in the company. But, but I almost, I almost the point I was making in the piece I wrote was that that you need to be concerned really about a safety about a structure, and because without a structure that promotes the overall values of the company, and what and what I don't know why you would pull out safety is just one standalone. Yeah. I mean, a company has a personality, a company, a company has a, a value set and all those things determine the culture. And without that structure in place, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you implement any kind of a culture. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this business of safety culture is, it's, it's, it's more complicated than I think what a lot of people make it out to be. It's not the CEO standing up and giving a speech once a year about how safety is our biggest value. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I couldn't agree more. So, well, I have gone way past our time. So thank you so much. I'm sorry for going over, but I could talk to you all day about this. And um, in the podcast, 
direct links uh, to email and to get in touch with Tom and his company will be readily available for you. So if you have any questions for him, any follow-up, um, go ahead and shoot them directly over. I know you'd be happy to answer um, you know, anything that comes through. So thank you again, Tom. I really appreciate it. And we will chat soon. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure, Apollonia. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.